This is Damian Lillard from the Portland Trailblazers. This is Marcus Smart from the Boston Celtics. This is Bradley Beal from the Washington Wizards. This is Clay Thompson from the Golden State Warriors. And you're listening to Triple J NBA Talk on KOAS 750 AM. Seconds. Bryant for the win. Open. Chicago with the lead. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! LeBron James has the motion. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of your Triple J Podcast. Jabari Davis joined by Jamison Wells and Jordan Buscarini once again. How are we doing this week, guys? Not bad. Not bad at all. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you at least doing better than the Lakers are doing? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm healthy. Like, I can walk. I don't have any blood clots, thank God. So, yeah. <laughs> That's a plus. That's a plus. All right. I mean, enough of the formalities. Of course, I want to remind everybody, now that we are on iTunes, make sure you rate, comment, like, and all of that good stuff. Uh, If you show us on Twitter that you've done so, we'll give you a shout out. And if you have, if you show us on Twitter that you've done so and have a topic, we'll we'll discuss that topic. Reminder, on Twitter, Jameson can be found at at the Jameson. Jordan can be found at at Jordan underscore DTS. The DTS is for Drive Time Sports, which is his uh, daily radio show. And for me, it's at Jabari Davis NBA. All right, we can go ahead and get into it. We've got, let's see, the Bulls all of a sudden, they look like they want to play, you know, positive basketball. And to be completely honest with you, I really like that young core that they're starting to develop there. Uh, we're going to obviously get into LeBron passing Jordan on the all-time scoring list and as well as some other milestones and, and things that are coming up for him. Uh, I definitely want to get your guys' opinion about uh, something that I've seen as a trend. Um, NBA players openly uh, d- discussing officiating. You know, it, it's always been one thing to, like, to complain you know, here and there, but now it, it definitely seems like we've gone a step further in folks just openly you know, like uh, having a conversation about it, which while I'm in favor of the conversation being had with the playoffs coming up, if I were a fan of like say the Rockets or OKC I might want to tell I might at least hope my stars would dial it back a little bit but before we get into all of that I want to get a quick fair or foul from each of you earlier the week or actually uh, uh, late last week Russell Westbrook getting into it with uh, Carl Anthony Towns um, you know the the Timberwolves if I'm not mistaken actually went won the game but uh, and I'll, I'll go ahead and edit myself but Westbrook told Cat uh, get to the effing playoffs before you speak to me Fair or foul? I mean, it's foul because he's gone to the playoffs and he's an all-NBA type of player. So it's, it's definitely foul. Uh, Westbrook is a very emotional guy. Uh, a lot of people like him. A lot of people hate him. Uh, but it's foul. It's not a whole lot of room for that. But, you know, it is what it is. You know, Russ gets caught up in the moment in the game, so he says a lot of emotional things. But it's definitely foul here. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go against that and say it's fair, and I'm going to tell you why I say it's fair. I have said for multiple years that there is one guy in the NBA that I would have no problem spending my hard-earned money to watch, and it's Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is I do not embrace the fraternity era of the NBA. I don't embrace it. I don't like it. I, you know, call me old school, whatever. Call me old man basketball. I don't care. I don't embrace the fraternity era of the NBA. That's where I gravitate towards Russell Westbrook. He's not about that. This guy does not care. This guy is a stone-cold killer when he is out of the court. And if you honestly believe that's a personal shot at Carl Anthony Towns, it's not. I think you hit it right on the head, Jameson, saying he's an emotional guy. He gets caught up in the moment. He does. 
But the fact of the matter is, this guy does not want to be your friend. He wants to go out, and he wants to kill you on the basketball court. And I love it. I love it. If I'm an OK City Thunder fan, I love it. Because you know what? He's not. He's cut from a completely different cloth of, say, Kevin Durant. And that, that wound still hurts in OKC. I love it. To me, he is everything. Russell Westbrook is a guy that was cut from the 1980s cloth of the NBA. And I love it. It's refreshing in this day and age. I say it's fair. So for me, I'm going to be honest with you. I think it's foul to say, but I think it's also <laughs> I think it's fair game. If that makes sense, sure. Uh, it, it, it's foul for cat, you know, from cat's perspective because it's like, hey, look, you know, what can I do? I'm on a you know a team that has been traditionally terrible. We're working our way back into the mix. We're trying to we're trying to get to that level. Oh, uh, but at the same time, if you you know, if I'm Russell Westbrook and you know I'm of the same opinion, I've got no problem whatsoever with his approach. I've got no problem whatsoever with his demeanor, and I've got no problem whatsoever with his disposition when it comes to interacting with other players. Uh, if you're Carl Anthony Towns, hey, you know what? It, it, it at a certain point, and you know this is a conversation we're gonna you know we'll kind of shelve until the summer. But at a certain point, even though he just re-upped, sooner or later that's gonna get old. Mm-hmm. Now again, we'll we'll save the you know we'll save the extended conversation you know for the summer. But I do wonder how just how many more years you've got Carl Anthony Towns there peacefully you know struggling to make the playoffs or you know still being in the lottery. All right. Other things in the new, other things that we've seen, uh, Clay Thompson came back and all you know made nine threes, and all of a sudden the Warriors went to smacking the Nuggets. But if I'm not mistaken, the very next game they you know they, they dropped one. If I, I think it was the Phoenix, uh, just the other night. So my question to you guys is: Is this just a matter of them just essentially saying we don't care about the po- the, the regular season, and they are planning on flipping a switch? And the second part of that question is. Do either of you see a part, a, a scenario where they try to flip that switch and that switch just doesn't work? So here's the thing. Historically, whenever we've had teams trying to three-peat or four-peat and they've had their same cores, mm-hmm. usually that switch isn't doesn't come on eventually. There comes a point where they go to flip that switch and it's not available. And with the Warriors, you never know. I mean, they they have more talent than everyone, especially starting-wise, but their bench is probably the weakest it's been during this run. Um, they're, they really are inconsistent in terms of their defense. Their defense looked great Friday night. It looked bad last night. Allowing the Suns to score 40 points in a quarter is never a good thing. Uh, you know, I think they'll be okay, but at the same time, they are starting to see a lot of signs of fatigue and also just a lot of signs of that team that's been around on a fifth year making a long playoff run, and that's very difficult to do with the same core especially when you have a bunch of veterans. So my thinking is this. I think they'll be okay. If I had to put money on them, I would still bet money on them to win the whole thing. However, there is some signs of wear and tear and fatigue, and if they get knocked off, it would not surprise me one bit. Uh, I, I, You know, I guess you could use the term possum. You know, let's go back and, uh, you know, for historical significance, because we're all three Laker fans, let's go back to 2001-2002. Lakers, mm. Lakers ended up a three seed that year, going for a three p fifty eight and twenty four. Okay, if we take a look at the time of this recording, the Golden State Warriors uh, to get to fifty four and twenty eight would have to go thirteen and three the rest of the way. It's a very that's very doable, right? Now, I'm just I'm just using that as kind of a gauge. Going for a three-peat, they've played a lot of extra basketball. You get bored of the regular season, yes, you do. And Jabari, you pointed this out to me on my show last week. The fact of the matter is. Steph Curry's going to be healthy this season, right? This is a team that understands that it is a 
It is a uh, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. I know that's cliche, but it's factual. Okay, so let's look at some of the games that they have had against elite competition in the Western Conference. They beat the Denver Nuggets one twenty two to one hundred four. If I'm not mistaken, they put up one forty on the Nuggets just a couple of a couple of months ago. If I'm not mistaken, right? This is the second best team of the Western Conference record wise right now. They beat the San Antonio Spurs early February one forty one to one hundred two. Put up 140 points on the Spurs. I know it's not the Spurs of old. I get that. But it's still a playoff team of the Western Conference. They beat the Jazz 115-108. to 108. That was just a couple of weeks back, about a month ago. So, I mean, really, when I take a look at what they've done against elite competition of the Western Conference, a lot of it leads me to believe that they are bored. And let me point out a five-game road trip in January. They were unbeaten on that five-game road trip. They beat the Clippers, they beat the Lakers, they beat the Celtics, they beat the Pacers, and they won each of those games handedly, if I'm not mistaken, if memory serves me right. So, to me, yes, this is a team that is a little bit bored. If I'm not mistaken, during that stretch, they went on a massive winning streak as well, picking up that win over Denver that I mentioned where they put up 140 points. So, to me, it's, it's, a, lack, it's a lack of enthusiasm with 16 games to go in the regular season, knowing that you have played fair basketball by Golden State standards, and you still have a game and a half lead up on the Nuggets for the top seed in the West. So, I'm, I, and admittedly, I'm playing a bit of devil's advocate here um, because I, I, I also think they, they should be the favorites. Uh, if they're if they're fully healthy, it's difficult for me to see the team beating them, you know, four times in you know uh, 12 to 14 days. It, it's just going to be difficult to see that. But let's play devil's advocate here. Say there is a team or a couple teams that maybe concern you out there. I don't necessarily know that I see the Denver Nuggets as being that team, even though, as you mentioned, that you know, like, uh, by record, they're the second best team out west. Let me get a, you know, at least one team from uh, you know from each of you for uh, in terms of in the Western Conference that at least you could see knocking them off if everything worked out properly. Houston. I mean, Houston's been close the last couple of years, so Houston's the team. Houston's the team that. If things go right, if, if things, you know, if they hit their threes and if Golden State is not hitting on all cylinders, that's a team that can give the Warriors problems. I think that's the only team, just based off the firepower, you know, the way that the Rockets play, if the threes actually work out, it works out. The reason why I don't say OKC is this, uh, Steven Adams is not the same player he once was. Um, you know, defensively, he has problems in space and guarding quicker guys. And so when the Warriors go small, he doesn't, have to, he doesn't have a place to play. And when they bring in Noel or play Morris or whomever, they're not really big offensive threats like that. So OKC looks good on paper, but I need to see Paul George healthy. Ever since he's banged up that shoulder, his knee has not looked right. Mm-hmm. Um, Houston has experience. They have the confidence to beat. Because they feel they should have won that series last year. They have the confidence. To 27 beat. straight? Right. And that's the thing. I don't know if OKC has the same confidence because they haven't matched up since 2016. Uh, for me, it's OKC. That that's the team that I think can can beat Golden State. Best case scenario for OKC, they climb into that number two or number three spot, and they get Golden State in the Western Conference Finals. And the reason I say it's OKC is because right now Russell Westbrook is not the best player on this team right now. Okay, Paul George is the MVP. If I had a vote, Paul George would be my MVP of the league. He may even be my pick for Defensive Player of the Year. He's not going to get it because we we I'm not going to say we shun perimeter defense in the NBA, but we don't view perimeter defense nearly the same way we view interior defense. So the likes of Rudy Gobert sending a shot to the third row, that looks better, right? To the to, to this day and age, it looks better 
than locking someone up defensively. Now I take a look at the options that OKC has depth-wise. Nerland's Noel, he's been, and plus he's been pretty healthy this year too. He's played in 62 games this season for OKC. They've monitored his minutes, but his PER is off the charts, and I love the PER stat. On top of that, you do have some length that you can throw at Golden State as well. We can talk about Grant. I know... Jameson Ferguson just, and George. Yeah, you, yeah. You, got some, you got some legitimate length that you can throw at Golden State. And to me, that's how you beat them in a seven-game set. I think Houston can get hot. I think Houston can press them. I don't think Houston can beat Golden State in a seven-game set. I just don't. Another year under Mac D'Antoni's system. Guess what? That's another year older for Chris Paul, who I'm not going to trust come postseason. Uh, because last season, when it was on the line, what happened? A hamstring injury, and that basically thwarted a Houston Rocket run at an NBA championship. I don't trust Houston. I trust what OKC has in the form of length, height, and logistics a little bit more than Houston. I go with OKC, but they have to get them in the Western Conference Finals. You want a Golden State team that's had to get through two series opposed to one. That plays a big difference. I can appreciate that. So, yeah, I'm not going to argue with either of you guys because those were the two teams that I had down, but Let's go back to let's go back to Denver for a quick second. Is it a, is it simply a matter of do, do you guys think the inexperience is going to hurt a team like the, like the Nuggets, or do you know, do you simply view them as like you know regular a, a regular season you know you know dominant team that when it comes to a series you know you're still left with the question of who you know who are they going to? They're too young, and their best player has too many flaws. I like Jokic mm-hmm. offensively, but he has a lot of flaws, and if he turns the ball over he's going to be last getting back on defense. So he's a guy I look at to where, yes, he's amazing offensively, puts up really good numbers, but if you defend him a certain way, I saw the game Friday night, DeMarcus Cousins at 70% was able to defend him pretty well, and that's not a good sign. Uh, You know, that's a guy I expect Jokic to do well against, and he didn't have his way against them. Uh, So there's certain things to look for in Denver, and basically if you control Jokic, or Jokic, sorry, if you control Jokic, he doesn't go off on you, then you're pretty much going to beat them because everything goes through him. And also, Paul Millsap is really slow. He's older now. You know, he's been through the league. Lots of injuries. Yeah, that too. So I look at their front line, and the teams in the West, of course, Houston runs, OKC runs, Golden State runs, hell, even Portland runs. Uh, That is not a good matchup for teams that run and get up and and down. Uh, So we'll see. The matchups determine everything, but I don't think Denver's ready for what's to come. I don't either, and I've made the comment that if Denver is to land Utah in the opening round, they're done. If Denver is to land San Antonio in the opening round, they're done. It's in their best interest to get a team like the Clippers, and I don't necessarily know if that's going to be the case. So I'm not, I'm not, and it's no disrespect to Denver. Uh, kind of echoing what Jameson said, they're too young for me. They're just too young, and so. You know, I, I gosh, I, I've wanted to believe in Denver. Uh, and, and to be honest, I've been a downer on Denver all season long. I really have. I just didn't think that it was sustainable this early, <laughs> this early, you know, this early momentum. Not from a, a necessarily X's and O standpoint, but you know who this Denver team kind of reminds me of? If we go back to the 2008 Western Conference playoffs, remember when CP3 was an MVP candidate? And if I'm not mistaken, he finished second to Kobe, if I'm not mistaken. And uh-huh. New Orleans was a two seed, if I remember right that year. Nobody was really buying New Orleans as a two seed, though. Remember that season? Like they, yeah, because they, they played over they, their head. They had Chris Paul and Scraps, and, and no disrespect to, I think Tyson Chandler was on that roster. Uh, uh, yes. Who else? David West. Yeah, David, David West. West. Yes. You know, but yeah, I I understand exactly where you're coming from. So, so I, I mean, from from an X's and O's on a roster standpoint, it doesn't mesh up. 
Uh, I understand it's two completely different teams, but when I look at, I go back and I look at that New Orleans team. Yeah, they were the two seed, but nobody was really taking them serious going into the postseason. And look, Denver's going to have an opportunity to prove me wrong, but as I sit right now, I kind of view them as a fun regular season story, a nice regular season story. They made some right moves in that front office. There were a lot of question marks going into the year. Did they overpay Jokic? That was a question. You know, you go out, you get Paul Millsap, uh, a lot of youth on this team. I'm, I'm just not ready to buy into Denver just yet. Fair enough. All right, let's kick it out to the Eastern Conference uh, for a quick moment before we, uh, you know, get into the last couple topics of the day. Uh, you know what? We'll worry about, you know, the, the, like some of the matchups moving forward. But the one in particular that I want to, you know, that I want to look at. And it, of course, you know, they're, they're still, you know, 13 to 15 games, depending upon you know, which team you, you follow. Uh, so it might not end up this way. But right now, if the Celtics and Sixers were to face one another, do you guys think that there's a chance that the loser of that series winds up firing their coach or seriously considering it? No, but there'll be changes made. So, for instance, if Philly doesn't get out the first round, they probably bring back Tobias, but they let Jimmy go and they you know configure the roster differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boston loses. They won't fire Brad, but I think they make moves to get aggressively better. Um, but they've kind of messed up the season, in my opinion. You know, they're, they are playing better as of late. Mm-hmm. They've kind of messed up this season, in my opinion, in terms of the kind of mix they have on the roster. They have a lot of talent, but the mix still isn't right. I know they've won their last three or four games. I get that, but the mix still isn't right. Don't think well. Brad Stevens definitely ain't getting fired. Like, let's stop. You know, that that will no, that won't happen. If he if he does get fired, he'll be hired the same day. Yeah. Um, but the Lakers that, probably hire him. The Lakers hire him, or he'll go back to college, whatever. But he won't he won't get fired. But that being said, uh, both teams are in win now mode. So if if they do match up in the first round, somebody's not obviously somebody's going home early that she's not expecting to heads somebody's head will roll and there will be massive changes. Uh, not to get off topic here, but Jabari, right now, who's in the middle? Who's in the middle of Boston and Philadelphia? Uh, I need to look. I, I need to look. It's Indi- oh, it's, give, it's, me, it's, give me it's, one second. It's Indiana. Indiana. Oh yeah, the Pacers are okay. No, no, the Pacers are in, are in the three are in the three right now. Uh, I believe they're the four. I believe they're in between uh, Philly and Boston, if I'm not mistaken. Could be wrong on that, but I, I believe that's uh, yeah. They're they're the four, right? They, because they well, they're tied. They have the same record as as Philly right now because they they just lost two in a row. That's accurate. Yeah. Okay, so as we're talking about coaches, I just want to throw this out there because I may not get a chance to say this once again. Without Victor Oladipo, the Pacers are at 42 and 25. Can we get, <laughs> give some love to Nate McMillan? You stole my final shot. <laughs> oh, I, I just I just had to throw that out there because we're talking about would Philadelphia make a coaching change or would Boston make a coaching change? And the fact of the matter is, Nate McMillan has this Pacer team firing at all cylinders, competing for home court advantage in the opening round without Victor Oladipo. That's amazing. Over a month. Over a month, exactly. So, I again, apologize. Getting a little bit off. I just had to throw that out there. Didn't know if I'd get a chance to say that in the show tonight or not. Uh, but Philadelphia, Philadelphia would make, I think, wholesale changes to the coaching staff. I, Boston, absolutely not. Jamison said it. Maybe Jimmy Butler doesn't come back. You retain Tobias Harris. Uh, there, there's some question marks as to what they would do going into the offseason. Boston, from a personnel standpoint, like a, a roster standpoint, things may look drastically different regardless how deep they go into the postseason. But Brad Stevenson, to me, he is the safest of all coaches in the NBA. I just don't see Danny Ainge giving up on him regardless of what happens. 
Yeah, I, I agree with both of you. I don't think Stevens is going anywhere. I think it, you know, uh, definitely they would be in the market for some wholesale changes, but Stevens wouldn't be the first one. It, it may be one of the very few cases where we can say that. Like, no matter what, at least right now, it does, you know, he doesn't appear to be going anywhere. All right, last topic of the day. Before we uh, run out of time, I definitely want to address the LeBron James uh, milestone from last week. Uh, he passed Michael Jordan in scoring. And, you know, while this, you know, why this is significant to me, you know, in particular is because I was one. And, and you know what? A lot of people won't admit this. A lot of people won't acknowledge this. But I'm not talking about within the past five years. But I'll say, like, say, 10 years ago, I was one of those guys that was a quote unquote LeBron James hater. It's not that I ever, you know, dis, you know like uh, uh, questioned his, uh, you, know, you know, questioned his eventual place, you know, like, like in the NBA or thought that he wasn't an all time great even at that time. It was just that I was the type that I, I got irritated when folks would just try to put, press fast forward and say, no, he's already the greatest. But this is an incredible milestone. He's already top 10 in assists. And now, even though we a lot of people will say, oh, he's not like a, you know, he's not really a traditional scorer. He's not really a a, 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 um, a natural or, or as much of a natural scorer. I think we have to give this man all of his due props and acknowledge that one, he's probably going to end up as the number one scorer of all time. Two, he's probably going to end up in the top five in assists of all time. And three, he might even get there in top five in steals of all time. So just one, it's it, it just a free for all. Your thoughts on your thoughts on these achievements? Yeah. So whenever you know LeBron, whenever you're in top five of anything, you're always going to be considered. It's always an accomplishment. Um, you know, points, steals, rebounds, assists, all those categories are great. I don't think he gets all time you know scoring record just because of health reasons and the way he's kind of already slowing down a bit. Uh, but it wouldn't shock me if he gets it. But I'm just I don't think that's going to happen. I think there's a certain amount of games you got to play and a certain amount of points you have to score while playing those games. I don't see that going forward, uh, but you never know. Uh, but it, this is definitely a huge accomplishment for sure. And there's going to be more to come. And, uh, you know, if things keep on going right, I mean, he's going to pass up Kobe and Carl Malone uh, as well. And that should be a very uh, interesting sight to see. But uh, j- just to throw it out there, if I'm not mistaken, he only has to average 25 a game for the, for the rest of his Lakers contract to be right there in the range. You really don't think he's going to get that? No, because the game's played. He's he's missed uh-huh. 18 this year, and mm-hmm. we know how it is when guys get near 17 to 18. Yeah. Very, very rarely do guys play 80 games in year 17 to 18. It's almost impossible. Yeah, I just feel like he, he, he I, I put it like this. If he's within like a thousand points, which realistically he probably would, I, I just don't see him stopping until he gets it. And like and, and, and just to be clear, I don't fault him for it. Like I would want that. I would want the record if I were him. <laughs> what about you, uh, uh, Jordan? I have to agree with James. I don't think he gets past Kareem. I really don't because if you go back and you look, th- th- this is the big thing with LeBron, and and this is you know there's so many variables that you have to consider with these types of statistics. Look, they're longevity, right? They're longevity records. That's what they are, and that's why I- I've often said that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, in my mind, is the greatest basketball player to ever live because mm-hmm. of the longevity that he continued. To, to produce with, and LeBron has done that. There's no question. But if you go back and we take a look at since LeBron came into the league back in 2003-2004, this season he is going to play the least amount of games that he has ever played in the regular season, including the strike-shortened season. It, this is going to be the lowest total of games because he would he would have to play every remaining game for him to eclipse 
the uh, the 62 games that he played that season back in 2011, 2012. And so the games played, not it, it, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And, and it kind of goes back to Carl Malone as well. Carl Malone was in a situation to where if he could have played a healthy, what, two or three more seasons, he probably would have caught Kareem. But what happened? He had an, he had an injury that looked, and even if you go back to that particular injury with Carl, I'm sure you remember it vividly. It didn't look all that bad, did it? Yeah, it looked like an old man injury. Exactly. Like, I mean, exactly. Like, it looked no, like no. what happens when you're old, <laughs> and and you did it, no rhyme or reason. You step on something wrong or whatever the case may be. Yeah, no, I agree. It, it, and that you know, this is kind of picking up for LeBron an injury this season that may have put him out for five or six games. Uh, you know, four or five years ago. What he miss? I can't even remember. He missed like 24 games, something like that. I can't even remember the exact number of games that he missed. But the point I'm trying to make is tip your hat to what he accomplished because it is longevity. These are longevity records, okay? And this guy has played roughly 75 games or more since 2003 per season. That's unheard of. You just don't see that very often. He played 82 games last season. As a 33-year-old man, he played all 82 games. And and the way the league is designed today with not as many back-to-backs, it may benefit a player in, in some regard, but you're still not seeing guys playing 82 games. It doesn't happen. So I tip my hat to him. It's a longevity award that he – a longevity accomplishment, I should say. It's always epic when you pass Michael Jordan in anything – but he's not going to be the all-time leading scorer. I just don't see it happening. All right, fair enough. I disagree with both of you guys, and I, you know, wishful wishful thinking has me wanting that to be the case because I'm biased. I want Kareem to be the guy, no matter what. Always, uh, it, 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 I'm not even going to qualify that. I just do. Uh, but I part of me just thinks he's going to get it. Anyhow, uh, looks like we're out of time for the week. Let me get a final shot from you guys. Sell your team. A fan collected James Dolan. Sell your team. So here's the thing. When you say something that disrespectful to an owner of anything, whether it's a restaurant, a business of any type, or a team, you have to be expected for whatever comes after that. Me, personally, I have no problem with what James Dolan did. He called security, had dude got the property. If you're going to be bold enough to say something like that, you have to be prepared for what comes after that. With that being said, this will not be the first time this happens. You're going to see fans be a lot more boisterous about their opinion so this is going to happen in other markets going forward and it shouldn't be a surprise and it may happen in a big market soon so just because you know people shouldn't say anything or the owners liked or loved or whatever it may be man that love don't last that long if people feel a certain type of way they're going to let it be known if your team stinks and it traditionally stinks and people you know you know, pay their hard-earned money to go to that game and they want to say sell your team, as long as they're not jumping in your face, cussing you out, like being disrespectful, go ahead and say it. Because just like with the players, I would be telling them, you know what, get over it. If, if you if you stink as a player and the, fan, and the, and the fans boo you, hey, you know, that comes with the territory. That's what the money's for. I hear what you're saying in terms of you, you know, as a fan, you got to expect, you know, whatever repercussions are there. But I'm sorry, Jim Dolan was totally wrong in that situation. I thought he, I thought it, to be honest with you, if it were a player doing the same thing, the, the, the reaction to it, not saying by you, but the reaction to it by and large would have been far more, you know, far worse. And, uh, yeah, 
but I agree with you in terms of that's going to be more of a thing. People will start to address, you know, to address these things. And if you if you have a, a team in a big market, you've traditionally been great, and then all of a sudden you go on a ten year uh, run of just absolute terrible, you know, top to bottom play, you know, decision making, you know, uh, uh, you know, it, just just across the board. I wouldn't be shocked if those fans sooner or later start to voice those very strong opinions as well, James. I'm right there with you. Jordan, let me get yours. Well, I'm going to change my final shot because this conversation, quite frankly, is just too damn fun to not have an opinion on. Uh, James Dolan, was the fan out of line? No, the fan was not out of line. And I'm going to tell you why the fan wasn't out of line. Let's go back to the year that the Philadelphia 76ers selected Markel Fultz. That was two years ago. Okay, that draft was at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. At 7 p.m., where is James Dolan? His team has a lottery pick, and where is he? He's playing his freaking kazoo three and a half miles up the road at a blues club, if I'm not mistaken, and he was asked by multiple reporters if he was keeping an eye on the draft. His response, nope. When you are in the largest market in the United States of America for a sports franchise, and you are the owner of the New York Knicks, you have to at least pretend like your team is a priority. And that night, he told his fans that his team was not his priority. He could have pretended, and I think things would have been a little bit better. But ever since that night, I've been on the same boat. Uh, boy, that was you want to talk about being disrespectful. That was being disrespectful to your entire fan base who pays top dollar to watch a team that has been horrible for over a decade. So to me, the criticism, look, you want to be the man, I get it. It's his team. Nobody has the right to tell James Dolan how to run his team. But at the same time, when you pull stunts like that, you're going to be uh, you're going to be at the center of criticism. And you know what? You have to be able to accept that. Look, that night, for me, <laughs> I haven't been able to look past that night. I mean, literally, his team is drafting up the street, and this guy is playing song. He's talking about songs that his band has never played before at a club when his team is drafting inside the top six or seven, just three miles up the road. That, that's inexcusable. Yeah, plus plus his team drafted uh, French Frank, and uh, I'm just going to leave it at that. All right. Um, great stuff this week, guys. Um, you know, we, we missed last week, but we'll start to do it consistently. As I mentioned earlier, uh, make sure that you, you know, check, you know, check, uh, excuse me, subscribe it on iTunes, you know, rate, comment, all of that good stuff. Please continue with the feedback via Twitter. Once again, that's at Jordan underscore DTS, at the Jameson and at Jabari Davis NBA. Uh, for these fine gentlemen, I definitely appreciate you taking the time to tune in. We'll be back next week.